Oh, hey there, friend. I see you ordering the burger without the bun. Okay, I don't just see you. I am you. I've done it. I've had my fights with gluten. In fact, I don't know that my fights have all been won. This may be an area that I'm still battling. But I know that you may be battling it too. Now hear me, if you have celiac, a gluten sensitivity, or any other medical health issue with bread, this episode isn't about trying to change you. This is for those of us who have avoided bread strictly because that's what diet culture has taught us. And so today, I want to go to the place where we talk about our fear of bread. And my guest today is Tracy Brown. She's been on the show before. She's a registered dietitian. She's also a licensed dietitian and nutritionist. She is a trauma-informed nutrition therapist and an eating disorder dietitian. She's also a stress recovery coach and a nutrition counseling skills teacher. And what she does is she walks beside people who want to heal their relationship with food and weight and feel safer and less stressed in their bodies. And we talked last year, her testimony is shared in that episode. So I'm going to put a link to that in show notes. I hope you'll check it out. But today, Tracy and I are going to talk about all things bread. Where did this fear of bread come from? Quite honestly, this episode may have been better timed last year when everyone was more entrenched in keto because now we're going back to plant-based. So I'm starting to talk to more people and see more people who are abandoning high fat, high protein and going to plant-based and embracing all the bread. But Tracy and I are going to talk about even the history of that. You guys, it's not recent. This goes back hundreds and hundreds of years. I can't wait for you to hear our conversation. But before we get to it, hey, group coaching is open. There are maybe five spots left, but I've also answered at least five emails about where the application was. So they are going fast. So if you have any interest in group coaching, get online today. Go to compare who.me and look for the coaching tab at the top and then choose group coaching. You can read all about it. But I want you to get in. If you want to get in before summer, get in now. Grab your spot. This is your last chance before summer comes to be part of one of my groups. Groups. And you can read testimonies of people who've been through the groups. You can find out how much it costs and exactly what we do there. But if you still have questions, grab a 10-minute call with me. I'm happy to get on for 10 minutes and just answer any specific questions you have. Uh, well, I can't wait to see you in group coaching. And our Patreon community is open as well. So check that out if that's a better fit for you. Our first Patreon group meeting will be the end of this month. Now, here's today's episode. Enjoy. <laughs> Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you make peace with your body so you can savor God's rest and feel his love. If you're tired of fighting body image the world's way, Compare to Who is the show for you. You've likely heard lots of talk about loving your body, but my goal is different. Striving to fall in love with stretch marks and cellulite is a little silly to me. Instead, I want to encourage you and remind you with the truth of scripture that you are seen, you are known, and you are loved no matter what your size or shape. Here the pressure is off. If you're looking for real talk, biblical encouragement, and regular reminders that God loves you and you're not alone, you've come to the right place. I hope you enjoy today's show and hey, tell a friend about it. 
Tracy, thanks so much for being on the show today. Oh, Heather. Thanks for having me. So Tracy was brave enough (laughs) to to go there with me today. And the there, you guys ready for this? We are going to talk about the fear of bread. Now we could probably do another episode on the fear of carbohydrates, but that's, that's not where we're going today. We're going to stick with just bread because I feel like this is going to be a hard one for some of you to listen to. It would have been a hard one for me to listen to. I may have even chosen to skip this episode because I wouldn't want anyone to challenge my relationship with bread. And so Tracy, I'd love to start by just, so Tracy's a registered dietitian, like I said in her introduction, and more than that, she's got a great story. You can listen and learn all about her in an episode we did back last fall, I believe it was, and I'll link to that in the show notes. But Tracy, I want to share with you and our listeners my history with bread as kind of a starting place for this conversation. So you know where I'm coming from. And you know that when I say fear of bread, I'm not being flippant, like whatever, it's just bread. No, this is, this is a deep thing for me too. So I remember, and I've shared this in other episodes, like I was a low fat girl in college. Right. And I think we were in college close to the same time, but you know, I, say, not- Heather, I, was, I think it's important to do the timelines with yeah. this fear of bread. I got the war on bread episode yeah. because it's like in the eighties and nineties, this was a non-starter, not right. an issue. So this is like a new thing, but it's actually also an old thing. So I think that's really important. I was going to talk today about the timeline of like, where do we get all this psychosis around bread? Yeah. It's new and it's old. So I want to hear your story though, Heather. Yeah. No, I love that. Well, because this, so this would have been like, especially early nineties, like 91, 92, 93, uh, would have been my first couple years of college. And I would eat a plain bagel (laughs) with turkey for lunch every single day. And If I didn't have, I mean, you know, you're a poor college student, right? So bread and pasta are affordable foods, right? So bread for dinner with, you know, something else plain because we were avoiding fat, right? It was okay to eat all the breads and, but the fat that was bad. So as long as I didn't have mayonnaise or cheese or butter, then bread was quote unquote, okay for me. But I remember, and I don't know that. I don't know that I had heard anyone demonize bread yet, but I remember as I got into my 20s, I sort of started just to figure out that if I didn't eat bread, like when we went out to a restaurant, you know, then the next day I didn't look so puffy. And I sort of started to associate like, oh, bread makes me look a certain way. And so I I went on my own personal vendetta, like, Ooh, no bread. But then I loved bread. (laughs) Bread is delicious. And so it began this tug of war between, Oh no, don't do the bread. The bread is bad. And Oh, there's a bread basket of these glorious yeast rolls. I never eat bread. So I'm going to eat four. (laughs) haven't had one in so long. Right. You know, it's just like the back and forth, the restriction, the, the overdoing it. And that was totally my experience with bread. And then I feel like I kind of leveled off to a place where I was like, you know, eh, bread, whatever. I don't really, you know, I, I can eat without it. But at the same time, you know, 
Adkins rising, keto rising, whatever, you know, whichever term you're more familiar with, right? Like good fat rising. Um, and so it was like, oh, well, I don't really need the carbs, right? So I'll just kind of back off the bread so I'm not having the carbs. And I, I feel like I'm speaking a language that a lot of people listening will, <laughs> will understand, right? Um, and then I turned 40. And I went to my doctor and I was diagnosed not just with hypothyroid, but with Hashimoto's. And she said, yeah, you're going to want to be gluten-free. And so I was like, yeah, I can give up bread, but I can't give up brownies and cookies and all those things. And so, so that kind of solidified my, okay, well, I'm gluten-free now. I can't have the bread. And then I did all the research, how to heal your autoimmune disease. And all of them say, be gluten-free, be dairy-free, be food-free. <laughs> really kind of what it boils down to. And so then I'm like downloading all the, all the different protocols. I'm trying to like avoid all the things. Um, and that never worked out. And I mean, that could probably be a whole nother show we could do on autoimmune protocols. Um, but for today, going back to the bread, you know, it was like bread was the easy thing to leave out just whatever. And my husband, when I went gluten-free, he kind of went with me, not fully. <laughs> He'd go get a sandwich for lunch and then be gluten, gluten-free quote unquote at dinner. <laughs> um, so he, you know, he was just trying to be supportive, but I will tell you, Tracy, and this, this is probably a, a different, like be a uh, different path for our conversation as we go. But, but I just want to throw this in to, to show how this affected my children. Okay. So we starting age 40, and that was like seven and a half years ago. Now we didn't really have bread around. I started buying a loaf of bread for my kids to make a sandwich for school lunch once a week. Cause we only leave the house once a week for, for school for them since we homeschool. And then my oldest became a teenager and he started using the bread of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches like nonstop. And so then I had to buy more bread. But my middle son has always had a problem with energy and he had, we thought maybe he had a blood sugar regulation issues, always had these issues. We never had bread around and he was essentially eating low carb because that's how we ate. And so this, I, I don't want to go too far down this road, but I do want to say where I'm at now is I, my Hashimoto's I'm kind of in remission or whatever terminology they use. My numbers are good. And my doctor said, well, if you start to eat a bunch of gluten, then Heather, you're going to go back to having Hashimoto's. And I said, well, that's funny because I've been eating gluten every now and then. And she was like, oh, well then I don't know. <laughs> you're probably fine. <laughs> so, so I've been eating bread every now and then, um, not you know, it's not the main staple of my diet, but especially in the winter, we have soup and I like to buy a big old baguette or a loaf of sourdough. I was making sourdough last year and we've had bread around all the time. And I'll tell you, I feel okay. I'm not scared of it anymore. I don't feel like I get thyroid swell or have any Hashimoto's flare up when I eat it because, and I feel like part of this that I'm not afraid of it, but also my son is doing so much better with bread in the house. And I will watch him come down and rip off a piece of that baguette and just eat it. And every little ounce of my diet dieter's mind is like, well, we should probably put some, you know, some protein on that, but I don't say anything. Right. I'm, I'm learning. <laughs> and I'm just like, let him eat the bread. And, and even my husband has noticed like, wow, he's a healthier kid for eating that bread. And so his story combined with my story is part of the reason why I want to have a real conversation 
about being afraid of bread because I think my fear of bread was hurting my child (laughs) and who knows how many other people, right? Right. But let's, let's start with like, okay. So you've, you've heard my story now, Tracy, help fill in the gaps. Like where, how did we become so psychotic about bread? Well, (laughs) you, I mean, you actually laid out like the, I guess more the now time story. And we uh, we're all vulnerable to getting caught up in the narrative of our time in history of what's good and what's bad. And so how we do this is really, honestly, like I said, it's really just as simple as like, we don't live in a bubble mm. with what we believe is good and bad, unless we're really, really rooted in ourselves. I mean, when I say we, we don't live in a bubble, but we're going to be kind of like by osmosis, like part of it. If we're, if we don't have a personal relationship with our body and how it functions, mm. that's just the bottom line. And so how do we get all afraid of it? Well, we have been programmed to be afraid of it because mm. that was the cultural trend. It's not any more honestly significant than that, but it it personally can take over your mind if you have a wound about fear of not belonging and then even health fears, Mm -hmm. to be perfectly honest. And Mm -hmm. if you have issues around what the authorities say or what somebody else says trumps what my personal bodily experience is, Mm -hmm. that's the bottom line. We're going to easily be triggered by cultural stuff um, authority stuff, influencer stuff based on our own history. So it doesn't start with like, Oh, I have Hashimoto's. It starts with our wounds Mm -hmm. about how much we're influenced by what, what the culture is propagating for whatever reason. And it's always money and power, Mm -hmm. basically how we, a lot of times how we eat the way we eat Mm -hmm. combined with our own wounds. So Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to simplify it, but that's how we get started. But I do have a little, I did some research about the timeline of like, bread because I was like you know I know there's something here and then it it just kind of validated for me like as a dietitian you know I've been doing this almost 20 years so long enough probably to go through two um cycles of seeing what's popular Mm -hmm. and everybody shows up with the same issues Mm -hmm. I know what's popular in culture because everybody says the same thing so I know it's programming right right it's always programming like oh everybody had some kind of flavor the same here (laughs) everyone every it doesn't matter restricting binging bulimia orthorexia, same rules, different flavors. So mm-hmm. I did a little research here on like at least the semi-modern history. So it started like in the 1890s. Um, there's a guy, he either has a book or he has some bunch of articles. His name's Aaron Stein. And he was writing about, um, we went through this period where we were switching from like, everybody kind of made a lot of their own food mm-hmm. to the industrial revolution. It kind of started here. So in the 1890s, he wrote that women baked about 80% of the bread that people consumed in their home. By the 1930s, 94% of what we ate came from commercial bakeries. A radical shift. And it started because I don't know if you've probably, probably you know what culture was like if you've watched movies or read fictional books like Little Women, things like Mm -hmm. that, where it's like we went from... um, just a certain way of living to this Victorian age where it was all about like, there's more division of classes. Let's just mm-hmm. put it that way. Mm-hmm. Where it's like by early, I don't know, gosh, you think you're a little my notes here, but it's like 19, when the, basically it became just better and you're more modern if you bought baked bread from mm-hmm. the factory versus mm-hmm. you doing it yourself. And it was like this ability to separate that you're making it in life 
if you don't bake your own stuff. So what that comes with that commercial processing, what they started to do is like that, that old school brown bread that everybody used to make. It might, there was like basically purity culture, hygiene culture, sanitation was like the big issue. So they wanted to refine everything that mm. you could get your hands on as much as possible to get all the germs out and all the yucky that we can't see out. Mm. And that guy gave you your white bread. That's how it mm. began. Right. Yeah. It's really interesting. They wanted food to be clean and more sophisticated. And this is how white bread came about right. and nobody had a problem with it because it was culturally acceptable yeah. to eat that. That only started to switch. I don't know. Again, the mid century, they're like thirties, forties. It's like, wait a minute nutrition science blew up we're studying this bread and this white bread doesn't have as much vitamins and fiber now it was bad again so white mm-hmm. bread was bad and brown bread's better but there was still some ability to kind of separate classes by this was a symbol right so people weren't mm-hmm. thinking that bread was like bad for you would cause disease it just like there's a better bread and a less good bread but but by the 40s i think that's what i have my notes here that you had to 30s you had to fortify your bread because i recognized that like when you process bread or process flour, you take off um, the bran and the germ, which has the, has the fiber and it has the B vitamins. Mm-hmm. So they had to fortify everything just because the, the early nutritionists were having a heart attack, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so fortify everything. And then it became more palatable again to eat your white bread. Everything's fine. So it blew up again in the 60s, another backlash in the food industry, right? It's like, go back to like doing everything yourself. We can't trust the government. We can't trust anything. Mm-hmm. So this is our first kind of foray into like, you know, the crunchy mom kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? You know, it wasn't as like, you have a split culture, you know, the, the being part of this part of the culture of everything is kind of done for you and the TV dinners, that's mm-hmm. certain level of status. And then this counterculture, like, no, we make everything ourselves and it's all pure again. And it's mm-hmm. just all political. This nothing has to do with health, mm-hmm. accessibility. Nobody cares about that. It's just about culture mm-hmm. and what is seeing as belonging. Mm-hmm. Now let's flash forward to the eighties and nineties where we hit this peak of carbs are amazing and you know, it's healthier for you. Yeah. And people start to get bored with their trends. Right. Mm. So here we are back to like, no, no carbs. And the thing it's like, Heather and I, you and I are kind of part of that generation where like we grew up with no car, like, you know, lots of carbs Mm -hmm. in our diet, dieting and our disorders. And then it switched to like, let's get rid of it because it's bad for us. And we don't really know why. Mm -hmm but we're just hyper-focused on it again. And then every little sensation you feel in your body, you want to attribute it to the food, Mm -hmm. whether it's the high fat, the low, low fat, it doesn't matter. We're programmed with the languaging of what's good and bad. It makes us feel a certain way inside. And then we attribute every little thing. Well, that got old, right? Atkins got old. Keto's, (laughs) you know, it's going to go out of this way soon. I I see this floating out eventually. Plant-based. Plant-based is coming back. (laughs) plant face is coming back it's like you know the whole thing but you know when you've been enough trends you see it coming Mm -hmm. because Uh you can't sell it anymore keto people recognize that they're sick of eating they're binging anyway Mm -hmm. it's not working within six months or two years you're over it whether or you just stick with it and have an eating disorder that's your Mm -hmm. two options Mm -hmm. so gluten-free had to come into the scene right because gluten Mm -hmm. now is a thing that's killing everybody Mm -hmm. and nobody's talking about wait a minute we've all been on We've all been pretty traumatized <laughs> with mm-hmm. our own eating disorders and living in this culture and body that our bodies have had so much stress by the time we're in our mid thirties and above digestion in general is probably pretty tough. Right. So now we have the gluten-free craze. So like explain this away Yeah. versus like, no chronic stress makes our bodies 
hard to digest. It's not necessarily the gluten. Gluten, as you attest to, it's like, yeah, my body was stressed. Under stress, everything's harder. Mm-hmm. So we might be a little bit more sensitive in general. And so we look for a food group to demonize. And here we are with bread again, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's a well, little summary of like, yeah, that's kind really- of what we've all, all been through. We've all been influenced because guess who raised us? You know, my grandma was born in 1930. So mm-hmm. she went through all of this. So mm-hmm. Anne was a nurse and the mm-hmm. education was get pretty rough, you know, for any health professional, all these different decades of what's good and what's bad. So imagine, I don't know, we're talking, my, grand, my grandma's in her 90s, that's 60 something years of like faulty information based on politics right. and cultural um, popularity and maybe a tiny bit of sprinkle of a little bit what's right, but mostly not right. what's not right you got a big mess of, we don't know how to eat because we still don't know how to trust ourselves. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. And I don't, I don't want to go here too much because Mm -hmm don't want to distract us, right? but I'm just going to throw this in just because someone is probably listening saying political, come on, Tracy, what political, but I have started reading the health at every size book, which they say probably needs a better name. And it probably does because some people just bristle at that's the thought of that, but it's, it's a tremendous book that everyone told me to read. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to, yeah. uh, <laughs> I don't want to know the truth. Leave me right. But, so I just started reading it. And reading it in this era of COVID has made it actually, I think, more palatable for me to read because I am starting to see the political agenda about certain information being released and certain information not being released. And and as I'm reading that book, I'm thinking about food (laughs) and information. And so so as you, as you just said, there's a political thing behind it. And I don't want to stick there too far today, but I just want to just throw it out there that if you have a hard time believing that, just think about what we're sitting in now. Well, so Heather, to prepare for this, I mean, I did research, like why yeah. are people so afraid of bread? Just general searches. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the nutrition science, there's nothing to be afraid about. That's why I have nothing to offer today. It's like, wait a minute, bread <laughs> is flour and yeast and water and a little bit of salt. Mm -hmm. That's it. So it's like flour isn't inherently evil. Yeah. It's got different proteins in it and different carbs. None of that's inherently evil. There's, so there's nothing to argue. There's nothing to argue about the nutrition. It's like fiber or um, bread with more fiber gives you some fiber. Great. But it doesn't mean that you have to only eat high fiber, everything to be healthy. So this isn't really a debate about is bread bad or not nutritionally. Even white bread, it's like, no, it's fortified. It's got B vitamins put back in, iron put back in. So you're not going to, and it gives you energy for what you need. And again, if we're internally trusting ourselves, it's like, you're not going to want to eat a whole loaf of Wonder Bread in a day. Mm -hmm. The only way you would do that is if you're depriving yourself of carbs and you're calorie restricted. Right. But in a energy neutral situation, you're not going to want to eat Wonder Bread. Yeah. Yeah. For all your carb servings a day, you're not going to feel like that. And so it, it can only be from diet culture that we want to do that, our mm-hmm. experiences with that, our fears of deprivation, and just our conditioning about what we avoid. We avoid right. these things for a good reason. Why do we avoid them? Right. Because it doesn't make sense nutritionally. 
because there's no, re- you know, you, I can't, I did this research and like, um, bread inherently doesn't have, it's not really a problem. Right. Right. Nutritionally. But, it, so, yeah. but it's, it's so funny because mm-hmm. I mean, I have coaching clients and I know you have clients yeah. that are like afraid of bread. Definitely afraid. Um, and, and, and that is the word they would use that they are afraid of bread and, and as, as we go through it a little bit more, we get into like, you know, what, what is, what is that fear? Right. And, and it always, and, and you do a good job and you work at a different level than I do, but you, you dig into like, okay, what's behind that fear. But, but the surface answer is always what's behind the fear. It's, It's health. Right. I'm afraid Mm -hmm. that my health will deteriorate if I eat bread. And Tracy, my grandfather passed away just a year or so ago Mm. at the age of 95. And that man ate four slices of the whitest wonder bread he could find every single day. Right. Right? right. Uh, And and so, and then I see these women around me that have eaten clean and are being diagnosed with cancer. And I'm like, you know, they've never touched a piece of white bread you know, probably haven't even touched a piece of whole wheat bread, you know, and it's like, but we can't, we we think that by controlling this or by controlling that we have control over health and we don't. And that's That's right. Whole nother episode as well, but help, help us start to break down. Okay. So we're afraid because of what's happening culturally. And you actually said something really interesting. Um, as you were going through that history, you were talking about how we did what made us, um, you didn't use the word fit in, but what made us culturally acceptable, right? That's right. And and so so belonging. Yes. I love that word belonging. And in a way, I feel like that happens around bread now, (laughs) right? That's what I'm trying to say. This is conditioning. Right. I know it makes me sound a little poo-poo. It's like, if you just look at like, why did people eat a certain way or do a certain thing? But that you can see like the flow of like, well, we had to have a reason. Right. And back in that day, what was the reason that people switched from like bread they made at home to like, everybody wants the factory bread because that's better. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't trendy. because it was, yeah. it was trendy, not because right. it was healthier, not because right it just helped you belong. And like the world was changing and this is how this all got started. Like, and why, you know, that's just human nature Mm -hmm. to want to belong. And if we have a gap in our, if we have a missing neural pathway of belonging in us, Mm -hmm. we're very vulnerable to attaching Mm -hmm. to whatever the world's doing. Mm -hmm. This is a spiritual issue. It's not, it's a trauma issue, a spiritual issue. Not, it's not really about nutrition at the end of the day. That's a, a deep jump. I know we got to get to the surface first. It's like, well, where did you get the idea that if you eat bread, you'll die? Because mm-hmm. this is, you, you wouldn't have so much terror yeah. if you didn't think this was really going to hurt you. Well, but I read Wheat Belly, Tracy. I read Wheat Belly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so tell so- me, and I would unpack that. Like, tell me about what made you read Wheat Belly? What did that mm-hmm. book say? And let's really unpack yeah. all that because, okay. yeah, yeah, that's what okay. we would do. And, and I'm, I'm, I, I prepared Tracy for this. I don't think I'm being mean y'all, but I really, I feel like some of y'all are like, I read wheat belly. They're not going to talk about wheat belly. (laughs) They don't know the data that's in wheat belly. And I also told Heather, like Heather, let's shoot at me. We're going to pretend like we're in a session and this is how it rolls. It's like, all right, tell me about it. Tell me about the research. And we got to really look at all this stuff. And it's the, it's not that all of it's wrong, but everything is generalized. And typically we take it you know, when we have a response of fear, mm. we just want to fix fear. Right. So we will take things out of context and out of like how we won't even look at like 
actually how this is impacting my body? What are the other factors? Right. And, and I think you proved it perfectly is most of the time when we start to feel safer inside, mm-hmm. we start to heal. Mm-hmm. And lo and, befo- lo and behold, now Heather's eating gluten, not all the time. Her body's still kind of sensitive, mm-hmm. but sometimes there's no problem. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, um, well, it, uh, do we need to make the celiac disclaimer? Because someone always yes. emails me and says, yeah, yeah. So, I have yeah. celiac. And like, yes, no. Okay. So you're, you're excluded from this conversation. That's right. <laughs> okay. It's so, a real thing. I'm sorry. One, like, I think <laughs> the research is like one in 133 people maybe have it. It's right. a real deal. If you're not sure, get tested, get blood work, right. get the biopsy, do the thing. Um, and then, yeah, there's, there's a journey ahead, but yeah. that's not the same thing as restricting because it's trendy. Right. Right. You need to, and do, so, you need to do that. So. Yeah. And, and I will tell you that I did get tested. I actually had the, the MRT, the mediator release testing. Right. And I was a little disappointed <laughs> that it didn't come up That's because right. I was sure I had it. That's right? right. And then, and, and really, you know, just, just to be intellectually honest, right. I really wanted it to show up because then that would give me a reason to not eat it again. Right. Because, because if I'm connecting eating that to, you know, gaining weight or being unhealthy, then having a diagnosis would help me quote unquote, help me have a boundary that would, you know, hopefully not really a boundary, a fence, right. To protect me. Um, so I won't, you know, go out of this little yard of restriction. Right. And that's a part. So I would say that, and that's a part, um, that wants part of my body to have a problem so I can, yeah, legitimize part of my eating disorder. Yeah. That's, that's what it is. Yeah. Well, and then uh, and I, I'm going to go back to wheat belly. So don't think yeah. I've forgotten y'all. I did. I, w- I just, all these thoughts, this ping pong balls, if you could see the inside of my brain, y'all. But <laughs> the other thing I've been wrestling with a little bit is I had a gluten-free identity for seven years. Right. And in some ways that made me special, Tracy. Right. Like I show up and, oh, I can't eat your regular pizza. And, and in a way, like if I'm being super honest, (laughs) and this is embarrassing to admit, but I've got to say it because someone else has been there. Right. You have that, like, it's a little bit of an entitlement, maybe like even a little bit of a princess complex where it's like, but I'm gluten-free and then people would bring us dinner and I wouldn't be able to eat it because it wasn't gluten-free. And then I'm like a little bit offended. Not that I would ever say anything to them. Right. But just a little bit offended that they didn't think about how special I was being gluten-free and didn't like do the extra care to provide something for me that was gluten-free. And it's all just self-focus. And, you know, I'm not saying any of that was healthy, but that what it was, my identity right to the point where I'm starting to be like oh but what about poor me and my issues yeah. <laughs> right yeah. um, and yeah. and so getting getting past that and like we said with belonging right being the person that shows up and orders it on bread instead of in a bowl or like <laughs> a tortilla instead of in a bowl or you yeah. know like just will eat the regular pizza instead of the gluten. Like that's a weird, like uncomfortable thing, right? Especially, and I know I've got lots of listeners that that have this, like I'm the healthy one. So if I eat like bread and pizza and pasta and like, oh my word, people are going to think that I've gone off my rocker because the healthy person doesn't do that. So there's, there's a lot of issues there. Any, anything that comes to your, your mind before we go to wheat belly? Uh, no, you're actually unpacking the function of obsessing about bread. <laughs> okay. 
I'm just listening to like, oh, this is exactly what you, we, ought, we ought to be doing. If you're struggling with that is getting deep into like, oh, what purpose does this actually serve? Because my labs show that I'm, I, maybe I have a sensitive, but I really don't have to avoid this fully. Mm-hmm. Like part of me wants to, what would be the function of part of me wanting to not want bread or need bread or like bread? Well, gosh, part of me needs this thing to feel special to feel like Mm -hmm. I've got something and you got to keep going with that like how familiar is that Mm -hmm. that I don't matter that nobody Mm -hmm. sees me that I need this to be a thing to be Mm -hmm. acknowledged so it's a wound Mm -hmm. there's some rejection way back there yeah and then with rejection comes fear and shame and then who comes in and the door after that is usually pride Mm -hmm. I gotta be somebody Mm -hmm. to be seen yeah Cause I don't, I never got it, you know? So. Yeah. And someone is listening today saying, wow, rejection and my fear of bread go together. Like I've never thought about that before and, and take your time with that concept. Okay. Like that, like we're not trying to solve it all. Well, right. In 40 minutes, it, right? That's right. And our adult selves can hear this and be like, Oh, ugh, like, I don't want to, part of us is gonna be like, I don't really want to have that relationship with people, with food. Mm-hmm. I want to like, you know, walk uprightly, you know, in, in, in clarity with everything, but you know, we have, we all have wounds. We've all been having, we've had times we've been rejected somewhere, sometime. And if that isn't brought to the surface, we just use a, like you said, a, like I said, a fence. We want some kind of protection because that's so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And if we don't have the, the capacity to feel it, mm-hmm. our psyche will create something. God made us this way to be dissociate off things that we can't handle, but eventually it'll be brought to the light somehow. And usually for us here listening, it's been our relationship with food. Mm. Hey friends, my next round of group coaching is going to begin on April the 4th. It's a six week commitment. You'll have one personal one-on-one time with me, and then you'll have four sessions with a group, a small group, five women at the very most. I normally like to keep them at four, and then you'll do that for four weeks in a row, and then we'll have one exit session. And friends, as I look through what's happened in my coaching over the last couple of years, my clients who have been a part of group coaching are still having the best results because there is something about going through coaching with other people. Now, don't get me wrong. I love one-on-one coaching. There is tremendous value to be able to dig into your specific issues in every session. I think that's amazing. And my one-on-one clients are having good results as well. But there is something special about being connected and going on a journey with a group of women in community. And what's been really fun to see is how these communities that I've developed through group coaching sometimes continue after the coaching is over and these women are still connecting and still texting and and still reaching out when they have a bad day and encouraging each other. So if you're interested in group coaching, go to comparedo.me slash coaching today. You can find out more. As I said, the group will start in April, but I expect this to be filled up by mid-March. So go ahead and grab your spot today. I have a limited number of spots available. If you have any questions, you can grab one of those 10-minute coaching calls with me or just send me an email, heather at compared to who.me. 
I hope to see you in my next coaching group. Maybe you can help me kind of navigate this a little bit because I I still think we're starting to talk about intuitive eating more on the show, but I still think there's some people that hear intuitive eating and they think that means you just eat all the things all the time, whatever you want. And, And so navigating to the truth that, okay, well, if I eat four slices of bread before bed, I might not sleep well, or I might not feel good for me personally. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I may make a choice to do something different there based on that with bread. Can you kind of fill, fill out the gaps? Yeah. So I think just to like, it's it's a super, super common um, fear when people think about intuitive eating, or I'm going to just call it competent eating, where you eat mostly from hunger and fullness, you care about your health, but not too much. Um, you do all the adulting around it and that kind of thing. Our brains still look at it when we come off dieting, we're still looking at it from like that, the adaptive mental strategies that helped us diet. So perfectionism and how am I going to do this right and black and white thinking and nowhere in, in any of the literature or the books say intuitive eating eat what you want all the time. Mm-hmm. It's permission to eat. There's mm-hmm. that word is so important. You get permission to eat anything. It doesn't mean your body wants to eat everything in all the amounts all the time. Right. And that takes a lot of nuance and le- really learning to settle down. Like, what is this actually saying? And actually, how am I hearing it? So that's, right. that's really important. And so part of competent eating is, is I would call it supportive eating. Like, Oh, it doesn't feel great to eat four slices of bread at 10 PM. So I'm not doing it. Not because I think bread's bad because I don't want to feel bad. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in this journey, you're still going to eat the four pieces because you just need to habituate and you're just mm-hmm. going to do it anyway. And you have a stomach ache, you take some enzymes you, you do, or drink some ginger tea and you sleep it off. Right. Mm-hmm. And you learn like, Oh, okay. So four, four slices doesn't magically make me gain weight overnight but my, my stomach doesn't feel great. So mm. let's play around with that. And that's how you learn to be your own like nutrition expert, really. Right. So hope right. that helps a little bit. It totally does because I went and I wanted to start there because I think that's, that's the message I got from wheat belly. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a part of the premise of wheat belly is that things have changed, right? That there was an ancient grain, you know, the spelt and the amaranth, is that what it is? You know, like that these ancient grains used to be purer than they are today. And I mean, and we've already acknowledged, right? That that the bread that they baked in Jesus's time is different than wonder bread nutritionally, right? Right. Um, But, you know, then he goes on to associate, you know, bread, gluten, modern flour, I guess is probably his, his Mm -hmm. biggest, um, target with different ailments, right? That, so, uh, one of the ailments he talks about is, um, is is it rosacea? It's a a skin issue. Right. And so, so I read it and a bunch of, we had a small church at the time. And so like everyone in the church was reading it. And, um, and one of the guys, young guy, like who's probably, I don't know, 23 or 24 at the time, he was having a really hard time with his skin. And so my husband was like, Hey, well, you should, it's in this book, (laughs) Heather read. And so he gave up bread for a little while and his skin cleared up. So it's like, there are, and you know, and I know kids that have had like some, you know, different kinds of um, maybe you could categorize them as like mental health challenges where it's like, okay, oh, this, the gluten was affecting them. That's it. So yeah. 
So how do I reconcile, Tracy, the fact that there are perhaps issues that some people have with this food, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but then also, and I, I I don't want to, I don't want to go to where I think you're going to go because I want to let you answer it. But like like the reality is it doesn't affect me that way. So I'm okay. Yeah. (laughs) So, so how do I, how do I, how do I make all those messages, you know, come together in a way that I can feel peaceful because what if it's hurting me in some secret way, Tracy, that I just haven't found out yet. Wow. That sounds really um, fearful inside. Mm. (laughs) That's why it's called the fear of bread episode. (laughs) Right? So just because somebody else has an issue, now this is called projection, just because somebody Mm. else has an issue doesn't mean that you do. Mm. Yeah. We don't all the same, exactly the same genetics. We don't have the same ACE scores, trauma scores that would lead us to have maybe a propensity towards some kind of um, trigger in our immune system, which causes all this stuff. Everybody's different. So what is one person's, we're going to talk about this, you know, Mark is great. You know, if you want to know what Jesus thinks about food and all this mental gymnastics, we'll read it. I'm going to do it here in a second, but just to answer that question, wheat belly must be a antidote that this poor doctor had to all these really miserable, sick, struggling people mm-hmm. because he can't fix the root of it. Mm-hmm. So I need to provide something. And that's what people who are driven to healthcare things do. And they figure out something that might be helpful and they write a book. <laughs> and oftentimes if they don't, and nuance books don't sell much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's true. Right. If you write something <laughs> you like, here, here's, here's the 21st century poison and why everybody's sick. It's and now it's gluten Mm -hmm. and just to recognize that like a lot of what we'll read if we don't really take it in with discernment we'll apply it as if it's all meant for us Mm -hmm. right if you're in a fear-based place you're going to be attracted to fear-based stuff right if you're in a place of like peace with the lord then you can take information like huh i think i've got a skin thing i wonder what this is about and well let's try this on and can i um, not idolize it as my savior, mm-hmm. right? Then you can get the benefit of that and helping your body heal. And hopefully praying on like, what is really the root of this? It's not the gluten y'all. Mm-hmm. We've got a comp, there's something compromised inside an organ system that's struggling. And so not every compromised organ system will respond to like a gluten-free diet. Sometimes it's mm-hmm. more about like, Hey, my issue is more with like a certain amount of fat per meal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the difference. It's like, I'm not saying all of that's wrong. It's just the right. application isn't right yeah. for everybody. And it's probably time limited as well, which right. is why for you, Heather, it's like, well, I needed to, I kind of was more on top of it for a while, but that's what medical nutrition therapy is supposed to be about. This is mm-hmm. like a intervention for an issue mm-hmm. to help your body heal a little faster. Right. It's not necessarily meant forever. Some people it is. If you're on dialysis, probably a low potassium phosphorus diet is forever mm-hmm. because can't fix can't fix failed kidneys. You got to get a new one. Right. If you have a compromised GI system, it's meant to heal. It will heal given the good conditions. If it invitation for healing, yeah. but that doesn't mean unless you have celiac that they can't fix that you have to not eat gluten forever. It might be a short amount of time. It's not right. all or nothing. Right. And then emphasizing again, I do want you to read Mark, but emphasizing again, that the stress over eating the gluten is probably, was probably making me have a harder time every time I ate the gluten, right? right. (laughs) And now let's go review for our last podcast. It's like, if you go out of your window of tolerance, you do not judge us well. 
So if you're in a fear-based state or a kind of dissociative state, just kind of like freeze eating, you're not digesting anyway. So that stuff is going to sit there. And if you've already got some inflammation, of course, you're going to feel bad. Right. We blame the gluten. I'm saying, well, what was your state before you ate? Right. Oh yeah. I was pretty checked out. Oh yeah. I've been revved up for 20 years. Mm-hmm. No wonder you had reflux. Of course you did. Mm-hmm. Stuff is sitting there. We don't even have our digestive system going at full capacity anyway. So yeah. everything's going to be a challenge. Yeah. yeah. We got to work on our underlying state for our body to heal. Right. So right. yeah, your fear of gluten made it harder for you to digest it. Yeah. Yeah. Read Mark for us. Mark 7, 18, 19 is don't you see that nothing that enters a person from the outside can defile them for it doesn't go into their heart, but into their stomach and then out of their body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. So where we struggle is it's not really about what defiles a man, what we take it in. It's about what's coming in our heart and what we speak out right. that's going to make us struggle. So this is a heart condition with about our food. It's not really a nutrition Right. Food's going to kill me situation. Right. Right. Yeah, again, disclaiming, disclaiming some states, you know, allergies, all that. But in general, it's not the food that's inherently bad or evil or going to, with, with circuit, with uh, exceptions, going to hurt us. Yeah. We're way more damaged by um, the contents of our heart around it. Right. Right. And it was just, and just thinking about how it works pragmatically. And I, I mentioned this on the show before, but we are, I think those of us with our background, right? Like mm-hmm. perfectionism leads to like control over health, right? Like I think right. I can show my health and then I have to get all the information, right? Which is part of control just in general, yeah. right? Like yeah. someone who wants to control, you want all the information. And so we become these sponges for all the health information. And, and at the end of the day, there's nothing left to eat, Right. right. Because, you know, because I went from, I went from flour to corn, which is in all the gluten-free things. Right. That's right. But corn doesn't make anyone feel better. And there's all the research about corn, right? Like, and, and so then it was like, well, now I don't have flour or corn. And of course, you know, they want you to be off dairy too. And pretty much you're left with applesauce. And that's only if you're okay with carbohydrates, because otherwise applesauce, if it'd be better just eat apples, (laughs) got more fiber and like, you know, all the things your head is spinning and it started maybe with just giving up the bread quote unquote, giving up restricting is really the better word. Right. But, but it's, it started with that. It started with the bread and then it has to go to the, the chips, Mm. the tortilla chips, and then, Oh, potatoes. Well, everyone knows like potatoes have way too many carbs, you know, got to get rid of the potatoes and you keep and, and we never go back and re-add things until we get no, help. That's never, right? <laughs> the enemy never works that way. It's never about restoring what was taken. Remember the enemy is always about destroying, never right. about restoration. So yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so I guess, you know, I, I want to leave people with some hope. I'm starting to be more intentional about, okay, what's your takeaway from today? How can we leave you with hope? Yeah. And I don't expect that all of my people who have been avoiding bread for <laughs> 20 or 30 years are going to go make them a sandwich right now. Nope, like nope. that's probably not going to happen. Okay. But where, where do we start, Tracy? Where, where's the hope? What's, where, where do we go next? Yeah. So I guess I really just have people maybe oh, settle in. It's like, what do you want? Mm. What kind of relationship with all of this do you want? And so most people say, oh, I do want to have peace. Well, let's 
go backwards from there then where with this relationship with bread like what do you want it to look like and then when you start to imagine yourself eating again what comes up we've got to really work with the triggers if you feel afraid even though i want to be free and peaceful with this and then i want to start to eat it again and i freeze or i panic it's like what can you what is it that we bring for comfort in that panic because the only way you're going to learn that it's not going to actually hurt you you're going to have to have an experience of that right. if we're afraid to just do it we're going to need some support to be able to work with the feelings that come up about that how old are they like when did this even start you're going to have to excavate your history a little bit to like yeah. huh what was the original function of all this restriction well terror i weren't i was afraid i was going to do it wrong i was afraid i would gain weight and nobody would love me i was afraid all right, well, what's the solution to the fear then? Yeah. How do you know that where, how do you know where you belong? How do you know what's here for you? So there's, there's a lot of hope and it's really just in being willing to befriend um, how we got here and not mm -hmm. be afraid to look at it. it in right. the, the eating, the adding in the food is the pragmatic of like having that physical experience. But sometimes you got to start with like, wow, I got to work with a part of me that's afraid to do this, even mm -hmm. though I know it's not rational and that's fine. Don't worry about the rational. Right. Yeah. yeah. So what support do I have to feel this fear as I even look at the idea of eating bread again, let alone doing it? Yeah, that's really good. Mm -hmm. And let me just emphasize, I say this, I feel like most shows, but it's okay to get help. It's okay if you cannot figure this out solo, right. because right. I don't think there's any way <laughs> that mm -hmm. I could have. And I went through lots of years of counseling and I'm still learning things as yeah. it pertains to food and how that, you know, connected to all of my issues. So there yeah. is no shame in getting help. Mm -hmm. um, so, so please hear me when I say that today. Also, like, I just, I want to go to church for just a second. I <laughs> love it. I, I, want it. Us, I want us to wrap up here, but, but, you know, this was, I think this, obviously there's idolatry and all the other issues, right. Um, that were impacting my relationship with, with the Lord, but also thinking about Jesus as the bread of life when you're avoiding bread, yeah. <laughs> right. Thinking about Jesus being like bread that would satisfy me or bread, like when you're like mm, bread, bad, <laughs> like, right. like there's a disconnection there. And we were, we were kind of talking before the show started, uh, 492 times is the number of times that bread, the word bread is in the Bible. Now, yes, it's, it, it means Jesus in yeah. many of those instances, right? But then back in the Old Testament, it just is bread. Most of the time it's your rules around bread, right? right. But, but help, help us just a little bit, Tracy, like what, what thoughts do you have there in terms of how, how it relates to <sighs> spiritual struggle? It's just about nourishment. Like what's missing? Mm. You know, when we're putting food rules above honestly trust in him and the bodies that he he gave us to function mm. in a certain way um probably that some of the, the church and the, some of the medicine here and some of the nourishment is to get back to feeding on him more mm. yeah. if we're having a hard time letting go of the fear of bread that's just all there is i mean we need support but just think about like i've got to like feed this physical body but um if we're not feeling loved, if we don't know what our identity is, it's all going to root to that. And right. the answer is always going to be simple and always the same, mm -hmm. which is we need to be feeding more on him yeah. and his word. And what does yeah. he say about rejection and fear and um, not belonging and feeling like an orphan or feeling like we don't matter? Right. Yeah, that's good. 
That's good. That's a perfect way to tie it back together. I love that. We said you had a prayer. I have one about, yes, I actually have a friend, her name's Jennifer Forrest. She does a lot of really lovely prayers. I'll give you all the information, Heather, and you can link it. I was just before this this morning, I was praying about like, what would be helpful for people who are really intellectually struggling? And I found a prayer about knowing where we're deceived. Mm -hmm. So letting the Holy Spirit bring up where our we were, we have some like hidden deception if we're really having a hard time. So just in our own, not taking my word for it, Heather's word for it, but what does the Holy Spirit want to reveal to you about where we're deceived and where we're hanging on? So all this is going to be really personal. So I'm just going to give you um, a couple of verses this prayer is based on. So y'all have it. So it's Jeremiah 23, 24, Isaiah 47, 10, and John 8, 44. I'm going to read this for us. All right. So Heavenly Father, the strong one who sees, you see everything. Nobody can hide their secret sins, including all the people that we went to for nutrition help, all the influencers. Lord, you are just and you're perfect in all your ways. And we declare, let the downfall of anybody of wickedness in our lives who have exposed us or influenced us. um, I'm ad-libbing here with our health and with our ability to trust the bodies that God gave us to defeat ourselves. We ask that any avenues for truth to help us with this be exposed. Let our prayers reach their targets to the glory of God. An amazing God, we will not be ashamed or guilted for defending the truth. What Heather and I are doing here today for everyone being not afraid to seek their own truth. We, wanna, we don't want to be uh, protect us from being guilted. Um, for defending that for ourselves and help us to be a light that shines any kind of hidden sin or secrets from our own family, our communities, our workplace, our personal dealings, what around our health or nutrition. And blessed Redeemer, lastly, give us the strength to stick to our truth and to the truth, no matter what, the thing that we most fear. There's no fear in God, but only love, power, and a sound mind. And thank you, Jesus, for giving us courage to stand up for the truth until all is out in the open because you jesus are the truth and there is safety and there's shelter in that in jesus name we pray amen amen yeah thank, thank you. you i had to i kind of ad-libbed our situation in this a bit but it's <laughs> like awesome sometimes it's like i don't know who to believe it get this yeah. stuff can be very confusing to hear i read beat belly and then i heard heather and tracy talk like ah oh, my brain right. ask him to show you the truth right. don't really lie just on you know, we both have a lot of professional and personal experiences and what we've seen others, but go to the ultimate source and just take our information to help that journey. So, yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. And I, you know, I go back to in Matthew, don't be anxious about what you'll eat or what you'll drink or what you'll wear. That's right. Right. And we're so anxious around Mm -hmm. bread and Mm -hmm. sugar and pasta and maybe fat still, or maybe, you know, all the things, right? This is the thing. This is Ecclesiastes. This is so fun around this. I show clients like, you know, there's a season for it all. So I'll say with diet culture, there's always going to be a new season of stuff, right? Just depend on that. Almost think like, Oh, I'm noticing this will be super fun for those of you who can like, um, um, kind of stir up their courage and their curiosity. It's like, I'm going to watch. Mm-hmm. So let's see here as it, you know, Heather and I have lived through a couple different cycles of stuff now. So low, like high carb, low fat, super low carb, all kinds of other like clean eating yeah. permutations. 
and memorize those in your mind, like what the rules are, because if you, if we get the privilege of living longer, another couple decades here or 40 or whatever, you're going to see it all again. Right. Different right. names, slightly different little permutations yep. of rules. They can't, there's only three macronutrients, yeah. fat, protein, and carbs. Yeah. You can only mess with one at a time and people are not totally <laughs> like, you know, Oh, it's so true. You know, the enemy can't totally kill us. Right. You know, he can't say, okay, new, new food rules are only, all you can eat is fat. Mm-hmm. Probably people would die pretty quickly on those kind of diets. So mm-hmm. he can't like influence the diet industry to like get rid of all the macronutrients at once. Right. It's got to be subtle and kind of make sense and cherry pick some research and all that stuff. Yeah. So it's going to yeah. be deceptive and subtle, but it's going to happen again. Oh uh, yeah. Just, just like those bell bottoms. That's right. Hopefully you saved That's them. Right. <laughs> They'll come back again. I think they're back now, actually. The skinny Kinda. jeans got to put away for a couple decades. Right. Um, yeah, right. no, I, I started doing this right after uh, vegan plant-based was big. And I started speaking when paleo was at its height. Mm-hmm. And that's what I started saying to women. I'm like, there's nothing new under the sun. That's and, right. But inside I had a little bit of a fear that paleo was going to stick around forever and I was going to be proved wrong. But no, then keto came and then just last week I was at a speaking engagement and I was like, see, keto's going away already. Now we're back to plant-based. <laughs> so. Well, so another thing I'm noticing is that like, well, okay, let's do the healthy diets again. So they're taking things that are good for cardiovascular health, like, you know, the Mediterranean diet, mm-hmm. but just going to make it more strict and cut the calories and it, they can't call it a diet because, well, this is a research base. It is. Mm-hmm. If you don't avoid carbs, you have to have those whole grains in there for that to hold that, that their work. Mm-hmm. Right. That's part of the Mediterranean diet is whole grains and very in abundance. Yeah. If you get which, rid of them, it's not the same thing anymore. Yeah. Which is what, so Amy Carlson and I did the show on fasting and we talked about the Daniel fast and <sighs> I didn't even know that in the Daniel fast, I think you're allowed to have ancient grains, but like, if you really are trying to pull the Daniel fast out of the book of Daniel and make that a thing, they ate bread. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's, it's, it's interesting. Bread vegetables, that was it, right? Right. Right. Yeah. right. Uh, Tracy, thanks so much for being on the show today. Hey, tell everyone where they can connect with you. You have some stuff to download and things like that. So uh, yeah. talk about that. So a couple places. So, um, so tracer Brown RD, and there's a free a section of a bunch of free goodies. And we have a group there as well. I also have another website called heal by the word.com, which is a lot more scripturally based, like everything trying to develop that as well. And that's been really fun and wonderful. And the enemy hates it. So it's like all kinds of shenanigans are happening to get that out mm-hmm. there for the world. So, um, but go over there and see what you think as well. So both those awesome. websites have lots of resources. Awesome. And Instagram, you're Tracy Brown RD, yeah. but you're also healed by the word too. That's so right. I can connect you to both places. Awesome. That's right. yeah. Tracy, thanks so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate you. Oh, helping Heather, thanks us. for having me again. And, um, this is complex stuff. So nobody, please, nobody think that like, you should have already figured this out. We've yeah. so been like attached since they were born with this. It's a rare person who's like, what are y'all talking about? Like yeah. problems, what problems? That, that, that's hardly anyone. So don't worry about it. Right, right. Awesome. Okay. Thanks again. Thank Tracy. you so much. Bye. And thank you for watching or listening today. I hope something in today's episode has helped you stop comparing and start living. Bye-bye. Hey there, before you go, if something from today's show blessed you, may I ask a huge favor? leave a review on your favorite platform. Seeing your five-star reviews is a huge encouragement to me. Not sure how to do it? 
you can go to compare to who.me slash podcast, scroll to the bottom, and you'll find all the information. And while you're at compare to who.me, check out some of the more than 500 articles on there about body image, comparison, all the things you're thinking about. Plus, you can take the free body image quiz. You can find out more about my books, or you can grab a time for a free 10-minute call to see if coaching is right for you. I'm so honored to be a part of your journey out of body image and comparison frustration, and I can't wait to hear how God is working to set you free. Hey, friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the Start Here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. In a world where relationships are easily broken and often discarded, the Rebuilding Us Marriage Podcast is your lighthouse, guiding the way to hope, restoration, and transformation in Christ. I'm your host and marriage coach, Dana Shea. Join me as we discuss the necessary tools for rebuilding marriages from adversity, betrayal, and disconnection. It's time to reignite love as we rebuild marriages from the ground up. Listen to the Rebuilding Us Marriage podcast on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.